And thanks to our malt mates at Cry Malt, welcome to a special breaking news edition of Beer is a Conversation. Well, it's Australian craft brewing's longest-running rumour finally proving true today when Brisbane's Green Beacon announced the full sale of the business to Asahi. There will be a million views and comments on the sale on social media, but we decided to go straight to co-founder Adrian Slaughter and get his story on the rumours, the sale and the future of Green Beacon. As you would expect, there's a lot of nothing will change and this is good for the business, but I did try to dig a little bit deeper and there is a lot more than just platitudes in this chat. So let's go to Adrian for his story. Adrian Slaughter, welcome to Beer is a Conversation. Thanks, Matt. A very special uh, breaking news edition of Beer is a Conversation. I guess, firstly, congratulations. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, you know, if people are wondering, I suppose it's the news that we've been wholly acquired by Asahi. And, um, yeah, like I'm here to talk, to talk you through it, I suppose. <laughs> Mate, it's funny you say that. Um, it, it came as a bit of a, uh, like it was a real bolt out of the blue on one hand because it's a rumour that's been swirling for two years. And I think I was on holidays in Fiji last year. I think I've called you about four or five times this year just to say, Mate, is this one true? And I don't call you for half the rumours that I hear. Um, is it the industry's worst kept secret or is it the most obvious partnership in the industry? Well, it's probably a little bit of both, to be honest. Um, look, we well, oddly, we hadn't even been talking to these guys two years ago, so I don't know where that comes from. So there's there's a lot of rumour-mongering in trade, as you know. It's it's the it's the, the benign hobby of the whole industry, per se. Everyone loves to talk about other breweries, who's being acquired next, especially after a wave of acquisition. Um, but I think equally, you know, what we've done over the last three years, it, it didn't take a genius to work out that that we may have solicited some interest um and so solicited or had people contacting you people contacting us um i mean that's certainly we we were we were very focused on what we were doing um mostly probably because we we weren't we weren't of the opinion that we were going to be garnering interest you know we were so intent on just trying to stay true to what we were about which was just making good beer and that had brought us so much success and and had had paved our whole way to dace it, it seemed it just seemed unrealistic to think that there was opportunities like this that would come our way we, and it just didn't you know I mean, it always seemed surreal when someone got acquired it always seemed like there was a reason they were the bigger guy they were you know we, we didn't somehow fit into that we've never quite fit into a generic or, or what you, I mean you've said that to me previously that we are somewhat we run our own race, we, we do our own thing, and, and we believe that as well. And, and I think maybe in a weird way it's just it's been a level of focus and attention to just the beer, really, and, and maybe that's... Jealousy? From what, from the... From other, from the... Because it, 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 it's an industry gossip um, that, that we keep hearing. Is that maybe born a little bit of jealousy? Yeah, maybe. Uh, look, it's, it's hard for me to comment on that. I, it tends to wash over me a bit, and, and Mark particularly, because... We, as you know, like we're, we're pretty pragmatic and we're businessmen and, and the beacon means everything to us. Um, and our loyalty is to our guys internally and to our customers and to the consumers and our partners and suppliers. And, and, um, and that, that's a pretty smart, no, it's not a strategy, but it's just a, a smart way to run your business because you garner loyalty and, you, and it's a reciprocal commitment. And I think that we've always been much more comfortable with the premise of walking the walk rather than talking the talk. 
Now, I, I, I need to ask these questions, and uh, so we'll, we'll see where it goes. Um, did the business have sold? How much for? Can't answer that one, Matt. <laughs> I, I wasn't even going to try and sort of sneak up on that one. What can you tell us about the deal? What what terms are there um, around? Are you and Mark staying? Is Johan staying? Um, obviously, key members of, of the team. Yeah, no, good point. Um, look, this is it's a hundred percent acquisition of, of uh, Green Beacon, um, and with that has been you know an operational independence commitment from both parties that we really you know it makes sense for for Asahi that if they're acquiring us that they're getting us as we are and and. So in a sense, I'm saying, look, nothing changes um, from a management sense, from Mark and I are around, absolutely, for the indefinite future. Um, and Joe, um, in fact, we've, we've managed to have the courtesy to advise all our staff this morning and universally been received really well. And, and the beauty of that is that the Green Beacon is its people as much as it is our beers. And yeah, absolutely. It's, it, all the things, the ingredients that have made us and got us to where we are now um, will be remaining in place. How about that independent seal that's got to come off the cans now? Is that an issue? Has, has it been an asset to you? Is it an issue? Is there any worry? Look, I'm a little, I'm a little ambivalent about it. Look, I, I understand that the movement. I was probably one of those guys back in 2016 when it, when it, the whole premise became more about the ownership structure rather than the quality of the product. That was a bit miffed. I was, I understood it, and I was watching the Brewers Association in the US and and. But equally, I looked at the counter side of that argument and was very concerned about the, the amount of I, you know, the, the IP that was leaving the Craft Brewers Association, which became the IBA, um, the Chuck Hans and, and co, and Brenda Barris and those people that have since left and blah, 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 whatever. But the point I'm trying to make is it hasn't been a premise that we've been overly affiliated with, not strategically. Probably, again, it comes back into that whole... That whole conversation around how we've positioned ourselves and it's been organic in the sense that we have always run our own race and I think naturally one of the things that we've always done is sort of when anything becomes a bit too uh, generic or the norm or the accepted way that something has to be done we kind of rebel a bit anyway and I think that hey look if your if your central premise of your business when you make beer is not about making beer um, I'm uncomfortable with that. Full stop. And, and, and that's look. I, I've got no problems with the industry. We, we, look, we are. It's been an incredibly important component of, of who we are, and we we are the genuine to date. Had been the genuine independent. Obviously not now. You know, financed off of Marks and I uh, own backs. But um, I don't know if the if, if that and the, and the capital structure of your business, like if it's gonna be if it's gonna be open for discussion, it needs to be open for discussion for everyone, and that means that the root of independence needs to be nutted out and maybe ex- explained better, because there's some murky stuff going on even in that IBA <laughs> component as well. But it's not for me. To, look, we don't we don't care. I'm, I'm indifferent. Um, the sense for us is that we've got the right people here and we're still making the best beer and I can get as many people in Oz and further afield hopefully drinking that product and enjoying it and you know that, that's the aim. So I guess uh, talk me through the why and I'll, I'll phrase that around. I remember sitting with you just up the road in 2012 uh, talking through the initial plans. This was a fan warehouse. Um, you had, had, had a dream. It was your second career. So you and Mark had previously had careers, and this was going to be the, the thing that saw you into retirement. Um, you're still young men. Um, what prompted you to take this 
successful, growing, uh, you know, highly awarded brewery and decide to not do it yourselves anymore? Yeah, Matt, look, so many factors involved in that. But I think the overriding things were that we had worked so hard to get to this point and, and poured everything into it. But realistically, there's equally a limit to what Mark and I can provide under this structure, under the, the structure that we had had to date. So we had, you know, with success, ironically, there comes a lot of decisions in business where it's, it's a, a, a why in the road where you, you go one way or another. And to date, we had always navigated that fairly you know, consistently, we had managed to find another way to, to raise more capital, to meet with demand, put in more tanks, buy the production brewery, bring our distribution back in-house, all of those things. Um, so I think in part there was a component of how far could we take that in a, a traditional financing model. Um, so that's a, that's a practical fiscal reality. And then you've equally got, you know, a changing landscape in, in Australia in beer as well. And then an incredible responsibility and commitment to the people that have been... Like, we don't have turnover here. We don't lose people. And there's a reason for that. But also with that comes this incredible responsibility from Mark and I to ensure that our guys have security, career paths, um, and 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 that, that, that equally weighs heavily on us. Um, and I think opportunity. You know, this, this is a partnership with the synergies and things that we're, we're knocking the doors down to try and always achieve. And it's like the carrot, it's always out there and we're always working so hard towards them. And I think there, there came a point where Mark and I were maybe thinking, are we, are we starting to impede the ability of the business to, to smash through those barriers? Um, that might be a little dramatic, maybe a bit overdrawn, but I think in principle what I'm trying to say is at, at some point we knew there was going to be a decision around how the business is further capitalised to, to continue this trajectory. And that led us to start to consider it and when you've got people approaching you and it, it brings it into your thinking whether you want it or not um, and over time you know you start to form relationships and start to consider things and, and so it's been a long considered pretty pragmatic approach from us and it felt right that we were engaged with beer people long-term focus committed on on growing and and I go back to this phrase of operational independence who saw us and what we do now is highly valuable and their commitment was keep doing that we want we want that that's why we're interested in you keep doing that keep smashing it we hear it we got your back and that that's highly appealing in business you know what it's like it's anyone in business that says they they haven't had a sleepless night or they or they're not you know they're not up for it personally is doing something wrong and they're going to be out of business soon because it's a tough game no matter what you do now, when you talk about being the true independent beforehand, it, it, it's literally you and Mark are the directors of the company. You've financed it through your own money um, and I, I'm guessing traditional bank loans. Yep. Uh, I've got to throw out to Westpac. They've been very, very good to us over the years. Um, but yes, it's been a very traditional financing model. And, and early on, that was incredibly hard because they consider our goods quite tertiary. They don't you know, they look at the tanks and even though we're going, hey, it's a really growing industry, there's other breweries opening, they'll need tanks if we need to upgrade, there's a secondary market for this. They don't tend to view it the same way we do, obviously, but um, so that the cost for, for, for capital is high, um, you know, that's a level playing field out there unless you're taking other financing options and, and people do and, and that was that, that was that, you know, that choice that I suppose I was trying to get across it. At some point, 
in this industry particularly, it's so capitally intensive that most successful businesses will be faced with that consideration at some point and it's um you know there's no right or wrong answer as to how you solve that um there's there's all sorts of crazy ways people are doing it now um this felt like the right fit and and i'm 100 percent convinced having been such a long process for us and so considered that we have found a partner who is wholly committed to our way of doing things and which is a bit left to center is a little bit different um, and uh, it's a unique relationship and I, I'm not, I can't comment on other acquisitions and, and what have happened in the past and I think even the acquisition and the, and the, the rationale that backs these things has, has evolved over time and I think that in Asahi we've found guys that, are, that like I said it, they're beer guys, they, they get it, they value the, the things they value about us are the things that we recognise are our strengths. Um, and I think we're foolish to be either pushed or, or expected to, to go a different way and, and the expression and the commitment from them has been, no, do what you do and do it well and continue to do it. And like I said, we got you back. So Westpac, you've self-funded. Um, did you look at some of the uh, crazy new, uh, you didn't think of a good old equity crowdfund? No, no, we didn't. And, you know, look, I've got a finance background, um, and that you know that that can either be a blessing or a complete um, you know a burden at times. But in saying that, it, control over the course of this business has been pretty important to us because we've got a fairly good instinct for where we wanted to go and how we wanted to do things. And there were some fundamental principles to how we ran our business that we recognised would allow us to do the things that we want to do: make cool beers, make different things, sponsor this, sponsor that. And and so there's a commercial consideration in everything that we did. Um, I don't want that to sound in any instance like it's dispassionate. It's, it's a reality. I think we were, we were just sort of more pragmatic in the sense that we recognised you've got to nail that first, get that right, make the best beer, have a commitment to that that's not just talk. You know, do it, deliver on that. And, and, and we always felt if we could get that right, you know, if we, if we could continually work, fine-tune and, and punch out good beers consistently... And I'm not even talking about winning awards. That's 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 validation, but it's 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 doing it not just for awards. It's doing it week in week out, and that cuts through. You know, we didn't have a budget to go and flash it all over town and be throwing money at every advertiser that we could. So we had to work out how can we do it. How do we cut through and and have a message that's authentic and resonates? And the 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 only way we knew was to make really good beer. And that's that's easier said than done. And and you, you will, there isn't a brewer alive that's not going to say that's the intent. But um, not everyone does it. <laughs> and I think three um, champion brewery awards shows a fair level of consistency that uh, backs up what you're or saying. If you had the CBIA in 2016, <laughs> four in a row, the three AIBAs in a row, and then the first was the CBIA in 2016. Yeah. Now. You've talked about capital intensive and growth, and the, you know it was important to keep growing. Um, factored into your mind to, to sell. Was there ever a decision being? Was was ever there the question being asked? Do we need to grow? Is there just like we're at a sustainable level where we can just keep doing this? We've got a great brew pub. We've got a nice production brewery. We've got nice distribution. Let's just keep it at this level. Is that an option? Uh, well, theoretically, yes. I think it's too simplistic in the sense that I think once you've dipped your toe into that wholesale world, 
Um, if you stand still and if you think you're going to maintain market share by being stagnant, then um, more for you. You know, I think that that probably isn't realistic. When I say growth, I'm, you know, I'm not just talking metrically in volume or dollars or I'm, there's so much more to it. It's a really holistic thing for us. It's more about, you know, is there a, is there a cut through in brand awareness? Are we getting our beer into the, the, the hands of the right people? Are we um, engaging in the right communities and industries and, and areas that we want to that, that, you know, ultimately we want as many people drinking our beer as possible. That's, that's a pretty blanket response, but um, growth can mean a lot of things. Um, and, there is, there are certain. I think there are levels in this business where you can you can sit back and say, right, we're we're at a a, a, a position maybe at a hyper local retail space where, um, in theory, you could you could start just cost saving and reducing your overheads and and maybe start to you know, pin out more gross margin that way. But but I would think that that wouldn't be an exciting place to work. And I wanted, you know, someone like Joe, our head brewer, who, you know, you know my opinion and, and it's pretty validated, I think, industry-wide, he's, he's one of the best there is. And, and all the guys that have come through, we've had a lot of organic growth that these guys have come through and trained under him. And that's a highly satisfying development to watch is like young Joe, uh, Josh here, Josh Warren, who pretty much runs our Tenerife Brew Pub. And in 2018, when we won champion AIBA, um, more or less the beers that, that got us over the line were coming out of here under his tutelage because Joe was, was still fine-tuning and getting that big production brewery up and running. And, and, and I mean, those sorts of developments are incredibly uh, fulfilling to watch unfold. And so, I mean, growth in personal development and, and these people are important to us. And I, mean, I really mean that. This, the most satisfying thing so far has been the response from staff this morning and just like people just sort of going, wow, the journey, it's been, what's next? Like, it's, it's like that. We're all in this together and the future's exciting. And whether we're the sort of business that would, would be satisfied with just finding our nice niche and sitting there, I'm not convinced that's us. I think we'd lose good talent. I think Mark and I would be pretty um, uncontent. No, it just wouldn't sit right with us. I think this is the right path. You mentioned the staff were really happy for you uh, with the announcement today. With all of the rumours over such a long period of time, have they been coming to you going, what's the deal, guys? Yeah, look, that's been really tough. Um, one one thing that we probably naively didn't consider pre any of this engagement would be um, the impact on staff. And, you know, look, there's a lot of vested interest in, in other entities, competitors and, and other big entities that we're not engaged with maybe, um, that may have opinions on this and may have been saying them. I'm not you know, saying anything that would, would seem that out, outrageous. But um, it was frustrating because you're under, obviously, a non-disclosure and, and, and you don't, we don't want to count our chickens before they've hatched, of course, because nothing's a done deal until it's a done deal. And, and um, you know, with, with so much focus on trying to ensure that they could continue to operate the way that we wanted them to, at times it did become frustrating because, yes, of course, they were coming to us and saying, we're hearing this can you tell me boss and it's like look just keep your nose down nothing's changed we are who we are not you know uh, it's a very difficult one to answer and it's been frustrating I must admit. Now talk us through uh, the, the rumours were pretty hot then CUB was purchased by Sahi which seemed to sort of think well why do, would they need another brewery 
Um, are you a little bit worried in a portfolio that's got 50% of the, the, the market, um, Four Pines, uh, which is over 14, 15 million litres when they sold, uh, Pirate Life, which was approaching three when they sold. Um, are, are you a little bit worried that Green Beacon, for all of your quality, might get a little bit overshadowed or forgotten about or lost in that portfolio? Uh, it's an interesting question. I think first and foremost, just to comment, like that portfolio seemed to be lacking um, one pretty key component, and that was us. <laughs> and and maybe you know, look, I'm I'm half joking, but I think so equally just um, our geolocation as well, Queensland, um, strategically for any big entity, CUB, obviously Asahi, um, it made sense. You know, we're an exciting market here. We look, what was it, 2018, that the three best breweries in Australia at AIBA. Um, all within 100 kilometres of each other, you know. So all in South East Queensland, Northern New South Wales. So this, this is an epicentre of good beer at the moment. Um, in saying that, uh, look, weirdly, I don't feel like much changes in that sense. Like, we already kind of fly under, not the radar, but as you pointed out already, we and I've said it multiple times, we swim our own race, we're running our own race, sorry, but what changes? In the sense, this is, this is much the same. That isn't a concern. Um, I, I genuinely look at it and go, wow, what an exciting opportunity for my guys to engage, to, to collaborate, to use those resources. I mean, the, one of the, the first things that, that Johan said to me when you know, news of this came to light and, and this post the, the CUB announcement as well was an incredible resource of information and talent that's there to be tapped into i mean the onus is on us and and but equally wow you know like what brewer wouldn't be excited by the opportunities this could present um but i'm pretty confident that we've we got all the 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 ingredients in place to be a success regardless now you 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 say that you've always run your own race and you guys have very much done that and that autonomy and independence is a big part of what what you do however you know we've seen uh, a whole range of compromises come through from the breweries that, that, that sell. You know, they, they do things that they probably wouldn't have done if it was completely their own business. How are you going to feel when Wayfarer, Wheat or Grappler um, gets put on at the Gabba, which is awesome, but then grows to the, uh, to the level that it's punted down the road to Yaddler and it's coming out of the same brewery that's making you know, pure blonde? Jeez, we're a fair way off yet. <laughs> like, sounds good. Uh, no, look, oh, it's a hard one to answer because it's theoretical in sense. Um, I don't know, Matt, I'm celebrating success. And, and if that, that sounds to me like we're selling a hell of a lot of beer and, and our boys are kicking goals. So um, truth be told, doesn't sound too bad to me. You know, I look, and, and you know, I say that tongue in cheek equally, but what I mean is why aren't we selling? That sounds like a scenario that's every brewer's dream, that their beer is being so successful that they're under strain to make enough. Um, whether that outcome of having to brew it off-site is realistic or not, or whether we retain the ability to invest internally, um, time will tell. My instinct suggests there would be, there's a fair bit more to go before we're, we're at those levels that it's going to become a problem. But... Um, I think that the, the idea and, and the commitment to date seems to be that we would be we would keep those things in-house. If that becomes a problem, well, let's cross that bridge when it does, and, and, and it, seems, it sounds like a good problem to have, basically. Yeah. But we do see, and whatever price the business sold for, uh, a $3 million brewery out of Chibung, 
which is the figure that I've seen quoted, is fairly small fry for a business the size of Asahi. We saw when uh, CUB uh, was bought by SAB Miller and they had the Warnervale Brewery, $125 million brewery, they just poured concrete down the pipes and sold it off. How would you feel if, you know, if the thing that you'd grown, you know, the, the, the brewery we're sitting in now, the, the, the G-Brung brewery that, you know, you poured your money, your sweat, your um, sleepless nights into the, the, the investment in that, they just sort of say, well, fellas, we'll just uh, move you on from here. Yeah, well, truth be told, I can't see that scenario happening. Um, I think that would be a, a, a complete odds with what has gone on the last 13 months. Um, so that's that's would be my first comment. I think equally, though, you know, if if that was the formula that was could allow the the bigger guys to be successful, you'd see more of that now. And I think that you, you may have pinpointed where that goes wrong. I think that it's that that's a disconnect between the place that it's made and the output and the quality of the output. Um, that's pretty important, and I think the recognition in this deal, particularly, is because we're not at those volumes. We're not, we're not um, four pines. We're not a mountain goat at this stage, um, volume-wise. So I think realistically, the value in us is is the capacity and the the quality that we bring, and it's an organic growth. Yes, we'll be pushing really hard to make sure we can get out more and more beer, um, and that will raise its own challenges. But I would be, it, it just would seem completely at odds as I said these are beer people and they they know what they're doing I can assure you that there's some pretty smart people involved in this and and you know in a, they're a partner that that values the very things about our side out there that make it successful it would it just it I can't see that scenario playing out equally I'm a I'm a pragmatist I recognize that the future will hold uncertainty as well but look, we're not going anywhere for a long time and I'll certainly be um, rattling cages if any of those sort of messages come down the line. Um, tell me a little bit about you and Mark. Um, just going back to when, when you started and we, we've said it a couple of times, you run your own race. You got, I, I would almost say that you guys have been a little bit aloof from the Brisbane market. You've done your own thing. You're focused on your, your brew house, putting beer out and haven't been part of that wider... Um, cool kids club that, that sometimes grows up where you know everyone's involved in in this little group thing you guys have always been out a little bit to the side what's what's driven that you know has that hurt you or has that helped you well i think maybe you maybe you're picking up mark and i there more than the rest of our guys i think i think the guys in our our, our group you know chris borbuses and and harrison's and ed slaughter all those guys are in that world a bit more i think with Mark and I, the approach has been oh, a recognition. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not the youngest man anymore. I'm in early forties now, and so is Mark. Um, but I think it was never about us. I, it didn't sit well. That why the, to start Green Beacon was never about the limelight for Mark and I. Um, it was about so much more, and it just felt like it was the appropriate way for us to engage in industry i'm talking specifically about mark and i um we're more comfortable in that regard like i enjoy chatting to certain people in trade you particularly one of them um but equally like i'm not necessarily the 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 uh, the fit into some of those other scenes as well and i'm not going to pretend to be nor is mark <laughs> but like our our we've got those guys that do and 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 
we're just trying to be who we are. When you know, look, it's it's there's marketing, and you can pretend to be something. You get found out pretty quick. Mark and I can turn up and, and pretend to be those things, but I think it wouldn't it wouldn't work too well equally. And so, um, yeah, look, I've never really felt it. I've heard it a few times, but I don't think it's harmed us. You know, like in a weird sense. Um, we conjure ridiculous loyalty in our customers and I reckon that's because because at times we don't we're not preachy we haven't got up there and tried to tell people what they should do what beers they need to like and and rejected things or I mean we've always had an inclusive approach and it was a really simplistic message about I loved one of your things early on that I'm going to get it wrong, but it was to the effect, why, didn't, why craft beer? What is it about craft beer? Why is it more expensive? And it was, the central premise was something along the lines of, um, you know, drink widely, drink well, but drink drink better. Just drink less, drink better. Drink widely, drink well. Exactly. And, and I love that. That resonated with me. So all of a sudden, here's Mark and I, and we're, we're, we're on the edge of the demographic that we're targeting. Um, and then we realised targeting a demographic is stupid. We, we weren't even doing that. We just recognised we were just we're going to make really good beer and we're going to try and just get it out there to everyone and, and the people that engage just naturally seem to fall into those facets. And I, I think we're just comfortable in this space, not overdoing our, our front and centre sort of role in the business and making it, I think it's made us also more, all the, all the staff and all of those guys more tied into the whole thing. That, that They are the face and the... They are the people behind the brand as much as we are, and that's important. The, the announcement has only gone out today, so th- this has happened, and I haven't even had a chance to see uh, what the reaction once I'd heard the news. Um, what happens Thursday, Thursday the 22nd of August? So the deal's signed tomorrow morning, the shutters go up uh, at, at the brewery in the brew pub. What, what's, what's different tomorrow? You know what? I think anticlimactically, not very little. You know, um, I think we'll be pretty busy, <laughs> um, but I hope not a lot. I, I hope that it, that that maybe our guys can get back and focus on on what we're doing, and that's making beer. We're a brewery ultimately, and it's what we love to do. Um, but I, you know, one of the messages I tried to get off to the guys this morning is be prepared for the fact that you'll walk into work and and you'll still have a whole intro of emails and. <laughs> There'll still be uh, your phone ringing off the hook, and there'll still be jobs to be done, and and um, yeah, that that shouldn't change, and and I can't see why it would. But look, let's be realistic. We are, we're not CB, <laughs> so there's other acquisitions that have gone on this year that are, are bigger than us, um, and we're going to continue to run our race and and push real hard, and the focus will will be on that, and nothing else. Has Asahi said anything about what their plans for you are? Because obviously they the, the the corporate heads are going to be fairly focused. They've got uh, Foreign Investment Review Board. Uh, they've got ACCC. Uh, you know, they've got all of the corporate side of that transaction to go down. Have they said much to you uh, about what their plans for you are, both short term and long term? Yeah, not not on not in those sort of terms. Um, I, you're talking regulatory wise with the ACCC, etc. Look, I, don't, I I would find it very hard to believe that the output and um, turnover that we have, I'm not going to have such an ego to suggest that that'll tip them over the line. Um, so I don't think from that regard there's any concerns. I, I with regards to you know our, our long term future or medium, short term, medium, long term future. Uh, the the message very much has been as I've told you. It's really around look guys 
this is what we value, this is what we want from you. Keep doing what you're doing. We're here in the background. Go and crush it. You know, that's so that that was it sounds highly simplistic, it's been articulated slightly more delicately than that, but ultimately that's the message. Um, you you know very well that we have here in Tenerife, where our brew pub, we have the site next door and we've been, you know, looking to get that off the ground and so this is the sort of this this partnership and and sale allows us the the equity to do that, the capital to do that, and then, you know, to continue our sort of unique approach with in-house distribution and vertically integrated that way, we'll, we'll still be doing all that ourselves, all our reps. Um, so, planning-wise, and the communication from them has really been around supporting the structure that we have in place. But maybe, you know, obviously you would expect synergies would allow it to be a bit more turbocharged. Um, certainly that's my hope (laughs) Um, but yeah look investment here that the short-term goals are really getting that retail space done Um, and I think that you know look we're up in the air as to what the the ideal time is to break ground next door but I'm thinking probably first quarter next year after the Christmas rush and get through summer sales etc and then get into the ground and you know how, how big we are in the community here with the Tenerife Festival and how important that is to us so um, if we could have that up and operational before then, so sort of get it finished May, something like that, allows a bit of time to, to trade. Uh, that's the short-term goals and then and then some additions at the potentially at the production brewery. Um, but outside of that, really, you know, um, the, the message has just been around keep doing what you're doing and we're here. So, so apart from, I mean, obviously you and Mark have done reasonably well out of it. We won't talk about that. But what, uh, apart from the straight money that was offered and the support and the capital for, for the brewery, what was the vision that Asahi sold you um, about Green Beacon that led you to a sell and secondly sell to Asahi? Yeah, look, I've probably touched on a lot of the points um, inadvertently through through this conversation, but. You know, that central premise of operational independence was clearly very important to us. Um, It was something that seemed to make sense and and I I think maybe doesn't come about in every transaction like this. Um, People might say it, but whether it translates, we're pretty confident it will in this regard. Well, the first question I ask when you say that, and we'll come back to my initial question, is is how do you guarantee that? Because it's just like uh, any marriage, you can sort of uh, promise to be anything beforehand but once the ring's on your finger you're stuck yeah um well i suppose that's true in a sense but i think that look there, there's been a fair level of scrutiny on both sides of this um it's, it's been a fairly drawn out pre- <laughs> protracted process um so I, I think we've explored that in depth on both sides so i'm pretty confident that that we have found here a partner that is is certainly committed to being good on the on the commitments that have been made, I, I, and I think it would be counterintuitive now to, uh, with the understanding of our business. I mean, these sort of processes, you get to know each other pretty well, so they have a fairly good understanding of our business and what makes it tick. And if success is the ultimate moniker and everyone's goal, um, then it would, to me, seem re- unrealistic that they would want to mess with that too much. So I can't imagine that 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 that, that outcome would would play out. So going back to my uh, initial question, beyond the, the, the money and the, the, the capital, what vision did they outline um, overall? Well, very much around this, this idea of, um, look, at that stage, that you've got to remember early on, the CUB thing was never anything that we were, we were aware of, um, whether they were even the guys we were talking to, I don't know, I probably never will. 
I think that, that it's a level of partnership. I mean, I've used that term a bit, and it's and I'm, it's it's not. I'm not trying to do it on purpose necessarily, but because that's how it's always been framed, um, and that's an important. It sounds it's a simple thing, but it's quite an important thing as well in the sense that it it sets the tone of the relationship very early. Um, a partnership is very different in a sense, pragmatically how it plays out, how you how it's an, everything gets enacted after acquisition. Um, and, and I suppose they were very good in articulating to us that they recognised where we were at, they recognised the challenges that a business of our size and, and of our nature and, you know, with a wider appreciation of the general market, how all of those things impact on your growth and your prospects and security and those things. And I think they, they were very keen to express their ability to, to meet them with us in support um, and help us achieve those fundamental goals of, you know, it's, it's, it's corny, but get our beer in as many people's hands as possible because get it in there and w- that's half the battle, we'll win the battle. Taste our beer, we've won the battle. You know, that, that's always been our biggest challenge. You've got to get the beer in their hands, but we believe we've got the product, so once they've got it, you know, thumbs up. <laughs> okay, and I guess tracking back to, well, you guys have always run your own race. You've always been part of this broader beer community um, you know where we keep hearing you know um, the rising tide lifts all boats and all of those sorts of things what does your sale to Asahi mean for the rest of the independent brewers or the the, the, the brewing community in, in and around Brisbane <clears throat> well I think it's a recognition first and foremost that we make damn good beer here um, and I mean that I, I think that we've probably felt that we've been very much at the forefront of that um, and, and a focus on quality and I think that it goes back to that thing about we've always made the central premise of, of who we are and what we're about is the beer and the quality of the beer not our ownership not any other erroneous um, factor and I think that people are getting that like I think it's starting to resonate and it's it, that's it's one of the secrets to being successful in this game is the cut through you know everyone can talk the same it's generic now it's like so formulaic that it, it becomes you must see it in the media. You must almost roll your eyes at the next one. It's like two guys, good mates, started a brewery in the back shed. And it's like, blah, blah. Mark and I actually did that. <laughs> you know, like, as lame as that is, we actually did it. So we, we just laugh every time we see it. And it is formulaic now. So, it's, so you've got to have something more. It's no good just being the gimmicky, different to big beer. You've got to be bloody good at what you do. And, and, it, and that's making beer. You know, selling beer is much easier when you're making good beer. So get that right first. So um, what does that do for the beer community in Brisbane? I hope it brings the spotlight on to Brisbane um, more. I think it's already pretty firmly in the spotlight. Um, I hope that we, you know, people can celebrate us as, as a victory for you know, Queensland innovation and, and all of the things that the state government prompted. This is ultimately foreign direct investment into Australia from an entity that was started out of a shed um, in a backyard, you know, not that many years ago. So it's from scratch, you know, it's, it's, it's um, gold dust. So that story for me is a good news story that um, I hope and I, my instinct tells me will be pretty broadly supported. And look, to all the guys here in Brisbane who are making good beers and experimenting, the, the key, if we can give anything, it's, it's to make bloody good beer and do it and do it well and do it every day. 
you know, never be satisfied, always be pushing harder. And, and that's not preachy, that's just reality. And and that, that message is cutting through. And if more people are looking to Queensland for good beer, that's good for all of us. Well, mate, I could keep chatting for a while, but uh, you've been very, very generous with your time. And no doubt when you switch that phone back on, um, there's going to be a lot of messages. So, uh, Adrian, to, to you and Mark and Joe and Chris and the whole team, congratulations. Um, and you know, we look forward to seeing what uh, comes over, over the next couple of years for Green Beacon uh, with much anticipation. Thanks very much, Matt. And, and mate, look, your support through the years has been pretty good as well. Look, it, it's been, it's a shame that I haven't had to have this conversation <laughs> with you before today. Um, I know we talk all the time, but um, it's been a pleasure. Oliver Sahi ever wants to make an investment in a little uh, web uh, news site? <laughs> Introduce me I'll to some put of your people. Good pe- <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Adrian. And that was Adrian Slaughter, one of the founders of Green Beacon. And we wish he and Mark and the whole team every success and hope it works out the way that he uh, said during that chat. Now, this is a live uh, read. It's very soon after I recorded the, the interview. And this is when we would normally put in an ad. And I can honestly say that as soon as the microphone was switched off, the first bloke to walk in or to offer his congratulations was Brad from Rallings Labels and Stickers, who Green Beacon have been using. So if you would like a little bit of that Rallings magic for your brewery and maybe you will end up selling to Asahi or maybe just making your packaging better give our good friends at Rallings Labels and Stickers a call on 1300 852 235 to discover a more efficient way to get your small batch canning labels done don't forget if you like what we do at Radio Brews News you can help us out in a number of ways you can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation you can find details in the show notes You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of Australian craft beer. When Brews News cast and crew are buying online, we buy at Beer Cartel. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because beer is a conversation.